0: Hi, this is Bill Knauer, and you're listening to Author to Author, where we talk about writing and life. Because what it takes to write the book you want to write is also what it takes to lead the life you want to lead. It's true. Author to Author is brought to you by Author Magazine, the premier free writing magazine on the internet, featuring articles on writing and the writing life, as well as video and audio interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors across the genres. Across the genres, we've got a new one up right now with Port Patricia Cornwell, the international best-selling crime writer and now also science fiction writer. That's right. She's branching out a little bit. So we got that up there. It was a great conversation. You want to go check that out. And, uh, well, uh, we're also brought to you by the wonderful people at the Pacific Northwest Writers Association. They've been supporting writers from pen to publication since 1955. They're still doing it. Got a conference coming up, a virtual conference, the end of uh, January. Last weekend in January, I'll be teaching there. It's going to be focused on craft. It's going to be focused on business of writing, but no pitching. We're going to take that off the board just so people can focus on just the, the craft business of writing. I'm going to be teaching a class on uh, how to write a book proposal. So, uh, yeah, go check it out. PNWA.org if you want to be a part of it. Uh, if you've got a little time on your hands at the end of the week, Go check it out. Hey, I'm also going to be speaking at Laura Munson's Haven Retreat. So if you're one of Laura Munson's people, I hope to see you then. That'll be great. I do love Laura, and I love her retreat, so it'll be a lot of fun. So as you can tell, this week we're not live. I spoke to Tara Moss, who was up in British Columbia, and so we recorded it. And uh, uh, Tara's very cool. She's um, well, she's the author of 14 books, uh, a lot of them paranormal, historical mysteries her latest is an historical mystery she's also author of a pretty well-known memoir fictional woman Uh, great conversation about writing and about she spent a lot of early part of her life as a model and what it was like to be a model and also an author becoming an author really interesting conversation Uh, check it out hope you enjoy it Okay, well, Tara, thanks for doing the show.
1: Oh, my absolute pleasure. Thank you.
0: So we are, if I did a little counting, we're on book, we, you are on book number 13, 14. Where are we?
1: I'm writing number 14, and I've just released lucky number 13. Wow.
0: Okay. In in America, it was released a little bit before in Australia and Canada, yeah?
1: That's right. In fact, um, if you count that as a 2020 release, technically, because it was just was just just before the turn of the year. Um, I had seven publications out in 2020, which is absolutely a record for me. Uh, But including
0: like periodicals or seven books?
1: uh, Seven books, but some of them were just publications. Oh, I
0: see. Okay. Yeah, yeah.
1: So um, there were four paranormal novels that were released and one historical fiction. Yeah. Three of those paranormal novels had been Previously released in different formats, so it was
0: all right. So they're all coming out. The snowball, yeah, the, the snowball, snowball career is rolling and rolling, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it was like I know. I thought, well, I'm going to have this personal milestone during a pandemic when I like literally can't meet any readers at all. You know,
0: I, I interviewed. I've interviewed. I interviewed someone every week more or less, and uh, I interviewed this young author who's having a group, who book got to number one on the New York Times bestseller list, and she was feeling so guilty because her life was just taken off. Right in like March, this past March, when every I was like, "Look, man, it's not your fault that the world caught cold, yes. you know." And your stuff and writing is a particularly uh, pandemic-friendly career, I have to say, as careers well, go.
1: It is in that you get to spend time in the safety of your own home. Yep. Um it's an incredibly um, you know long uh, process and project yep. to write a novel or a book of any description. Uh, so all these books I've been writing have been years and years and years. Yeah. And it's obviously you don't want them coming out in a pandemic when suddenly, you know, publishing schedules change and yep. all the plans that you had, you know, have to be canceled. But I feel incredibly fortunate that this is the career that I have, that there are people reading and supporting writers and artists and bookshops right now. And that's just incredibly important. I feel extremely grateful for it. So It's been a strange time, but I really have to thank my lucky stars and thank the readers out there for the support. So let's talk about your
0: career a little bit. I always think the work we do is so interesting, whether it's this writing work But I think everything we do is connected no matter what. I just think it all feeds into everything. And you started your professional career very young, really. Technically, you were like, what, 14 or 15 when you were modeling? Is that right?
1: Yeah, underage. I was a minor. That is
0: crazy. That is, you know, it's funny. Someone, this is just the truth. So I was at an advertising agency touring it when I was like 15 as a part of my school. And someone said, oh, you could model. And I was like, I think back to being 15 and, and what that would have meant, that would have been insane for me. I think it would have, it, which I couldn't have done it, but if I had, I think it would have been crazy. I can't imagine what it's to be so young and get that kind of attention in that very okay. adult world.
1: It's strange. I look back on it now. I'm no, no longer anywhere near 15 years
0: right, old. Right,
1: right. <laughs> and, um, and I feel really grateful that I had the opportunity that I did to travel but I'm also a little you know like it's worrying to think of people that age being thrown into that industry which is not you know not famous for being particularly responsible No, um, No. as industries go so I was lucky that I got through it and also lucky that I um, benefited from the experiences that a lot of people I grew up in school with didn't get to have, like right. spending times time in museums in Europe and being exposed to different cultures and languages and history um, and get that real uh, fire in my belly for human experiences and travel and things like that. Right. And I just couldn't have afforded to do that if it hadn't been for that sure. career. It wasn't that it was a particularly lucrative career per se, but it was a career that um, involved travel and involved kind of finding yourself always in, with different groups of people in different countries. Right. And that was uh, a great learning experience in many ways, even if you're kind of like thrown into the, the shark pool.
0: But you're seeing the world differently because if, when you're a young person, generally speaking, you're, most, peop- most young people's worlds are pretty closed for just A lot of practical reasons, but yours got opened up, and
1: really did. And that's a good
0: beginning for a writer, maybe.
1: Uh, Look, I think it is. Um, I'm of the belief that if you're going to write well and compellingly, you have to live well and compellingly. Not necessarily Ah. at the same time, though. (laughs) You can go out and you can have a lot of experiences and growth, and then you can, you know, nurture yourself in your writing cave and you know, and contemplate it and put all of that down. But I I just don't think you can kind of, I don't know, be a writer out of a lab or something, have it all be theory. Um, You actually need to also be in the field and on the ground.
0: Well, because, you know, even though you've you've written Paranormal, of course you famously wrote a memoir, which I'd like to get to, uh, but you write the latest, most recent book is uh, War Widow. It's a historical novel, um, or is based in history at least. Yes, yes,
1: historical History.
0: yeah. Hi- historical mystery,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but I-, I think just like um, Stanislavski acting method, you know, when I'm when I was writing fiction, I always based it, no matter what was happening, on something I did. If I needed to reference mm-hmm. what it would feel like, I would think about something I did and then transpose it to whatever was happening. So it seems to me, no matter what, everything is based is run through the filter of a lived experience you had and then translated it to something else, even though you never had to live through World War II or be a detective in 1946 or whatever, right?
1: No, but you're right. You do take your own viewpoint. Well, for starters, there's no neutral viewpoint. You're always bringing yourself to the page. Yes, no matter who For yes. what you're writing, it's um, it's a reality of being a writer. Um, I embrace that. I'm happy to bring elements of myself to the page when it fits. Uh, and so my motto, I guess, is to write what you know, but also write what you want to know Want to learn about right i immerse myself in research and get very hands-on with my research so that i can expand the experiences i can bring to the page and therefore give that authentic feeling to readers when they pick up the book they kind of sense i think that the author was actually you know choked unconscious for that scene you know when I did that research or set on fire as I was or and, um, yeah, you were sure, set
0: on fire
1: I was do not try this at home folks Very did you nice. have
0: special please tell me you had one of those special clothings suits on you weren't just standing in your pajamas
1: <laughs> I was like I gotta feel this let's go for it that would be probably my dangerous research stunt I've done quite a number of them over the years but um I had on fire retardant clothes, but okay. my head and neck were exposed and I had aloe vera on and uh, then they put flammable, flammable oils on me. And was I it
0: worth out. it? Was it? Did it help?
1: <laughs> I think it did. I think it did, but that's definitely a one-off. It was like, okay, oh, good. <laughs> that was incredibly close. And thank you very much. I, <laughs> I had a good sense of what it's like to be in, uh, in fire. Um, wow. My characters are going through. Uh, being choked unconscious also—do not try that at home, folks. But I had an expert helping me with that, who was Big John McCarthy. The Wait, he knocked you unconscious. You were what unconscious? Choked unconscious. Oh, one of those chokehold things. It was a chokehold from Big John McCarthy, who the wrestler. Uh, the wrestler, a great big sweetheart he is, and he was at that time as well teaching um, the LAPD. Um, in, oh, and, okay. Uh, so he's a pro. So he's a pro and there was like a paramedic nearby because Jesus. that's how they did it. And um, I just, I loved it. And I learned a lot from that, but that's definitely like a, do not try this at home. All right.
0: So you're all in on the, well, this book was beautifully researched, I have to say. So you, uh, it was, I don't know what you put yourself through, if anything, but I thought you, uh, it was clearly well-researched. So good it, on you.
1: Well, um, I didn't need to be choked out or set in fire for that one. So that was... That's good. Perceptively a breeze, but uh, re, uh, I guess historical research and historical fiction—any way you approach it—is going to be challenging because you need those extra elements. Well,
0: you have to make it. I wrote some historical fiction, and the challenge was always when I would write about stuff about my own life or just about stuff that happened in present-day America. I didn't need to go find the details that bring that that go from the make it specific about exactly what it was like in, on a kind of granular level. And when I would try to write about different times, like I don't know exactly what they were wearing or exactly what, like all the tiny things about life that you clearly went and dug up as much as you could. And that's the stuff that always kind of drove me nuts about the historical is it wasn't just at my ready in my imagination. I had to go find it. i a little lazy in that regard and I didn't want to do it.
1: Well, I don't think that's lazy. I think it's a style of writing. And there's no doubt as well that um, being pampered at times when, when you know you have a, a scene that's flowing the characters are speaking you, you know them like real people at this stage in your writing, right. and you're writing and you're going along and your characters turn a corner and you go I don't know what's at that corner Hang right. on, a was that building there at that time like what it, it can actually interrupt your creative process right. that is a, a real risk when you're writing historical so um, the balancing of research with that creative flow is an ongoing kind of a a balance that you're aiming for, I guess.
0: Yeah. So let's talk. So 1999 is when you published your first novel. Is that correct?
1: Yes. It seems like many lifetimes ago.
0: Well, yeah, especially writing does that to you. It it makes you feel like you've... It doesn't age you so much, but it does make you feel like you've lived many lives because each book feels like a such a kind of experience. But, okay, so that's 99. Yes. But... Uh, You had some living before then. Mm -hmm. What was the, I always feel like the writer is always active in us. Where, what was she doing before she was writing novels to try to publish them?
1: Well, when I was 10, I was writing Stephen King style novelettes for my class at Torquay Elementary School. Yeah. I really shouldn't have been obsessed with Stephen King when I was 10, but I used to steal the books out of the library Um, I used to put them back, but they (laughs) they didn't like me checking them out because I was only ten, and it was the eighties. And Stephen King, you know,
0: yeah, he was it.
1: Stories were they were big, and the taboo of reading something that was a little bit naughty that I wasn't supposed to be reading was an extra pull. Sure. Um. So my response was to start writing Stephen King style novelettes that had choose your own adventure style endings. And I oh. I wrote them by hand on loose leaf paper, and I would show my classmates at the end of the day, uh-huh. and he would tell me which choice they were making, and I'd go home and write the next Wow.
0: Second. Oh, so you, okay, so you, like a lot of people, you know, it's interesting, nine is the average age when writers recognize they're interested in writing. Yes. You know, you know well, so I, I didn't want to get into this too much, but I do feel it's worth touching on, which is the relationship between people because you've written a lot about feminism and about and obviously appearance my wife and I talk about this a lot I've often felt that women's relationship to appearance is as insane as men's relationship to success and the sort of suicidal nature of it I think really kind of placing our value where it doesn't belong because people will you know this just the nature of society and stuff and so Writing is a specific identity. It doesn't have to be, but people, I know I have friends who have come to writing a little later in life and have had trouble embracing the identity of being a writer because it yeah. seems so special, or, which it yeah. isn't, but it seems that way. Yeah. And so I would think the transition from m- the model identity, how even though it was brief in your life, but it was still at a formative time, to the writing identity is not natural necessarily. It requires a, a shift in, because you're so internal. You know, yeah. when, I, when I thought about modeling, I said, well, the problem is it's all about my appearance, I thought. I said, I can't I don't think I could care that much about it, you know, and, and I'm so internal. So because you got to be happy being internal, right? So what was that like for you being thought of dealing with yourself one way and then dealing another
1: Look, for me, it was very easy because the um, the introvert, the writer, was there before. She was the, always like, there. Model. She was always there. Okay. Um, but like we often do when little girls walk around in our neighborhoods, people will sometimes come up and say, hey, you should be a model. Yeah, yeah. Say, hey, you should be a novelist. Or, right.
0: Yeah,
1: right. <laughs> it just doesn't work that way. So I right. got feedback quite early and then was scouted by an agent. And there you go. Suddenly right. I was on this this journey, but I still wanted to be a writer. My being a writer was my dream. So So that was
0: it. I'm just sorry to interrupt, but that was like, that was always the the sort of, that was there underneath the whole time.
1: Always. It was the dream. Although I think, you know, going back to your earlier comment about how we often feel like writers are very special, different people. Right. I think when I was younger, I felt that. And the way that translated was I thought, well, I could never be that because I put them on pedestals, you know, I thought, I, I did the exactly, same thing. Yeah. You know, um, so I guess I thought being a writer was unrealistic, but being a model wasn't because everybody told me that's what I was Right, doing. right. It, yeah, you know. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so for me, that there wasn't a transition um, in so much as, you know, I was changing outwardly careers, but it right. was very much who I'd always been. Right. The challenge for me was dealing with the reception publicly to that change because you had because you had been
0: because you were also a TV personality, weren't you? weren't you doing television stuff?
1: Yeah, so I was hosting a lot of documentaries. Um,
0: okay,
1: I'm a, I'm factual girl, as they used to call me. You know, okay. I'm very fascinated by real life and research. So right, I was doing um, hosting National Geographic programs and, and things like that. So in some countries, they named my face from modeling or from being on their television screens, and then it was right. like put out this novel and all of these weird headlines came out, like model turned author question mark. Right. It was weird because it was like, no, no, I've always been author. I just do different things to pay my rent. But it's
0: because what it's what the, they, it's, they just like, it's sort of like, no, that, that's not two things people are supposed to be able to do. It's a separate, you know, the, the two things aren't linked. Because if, if you'd just been whoever and yes. wrote a novel, no one would have cared. And they would have said, oh, she's pretty, but she's right. Who cares? Right. It's, yeah. But no, you had been a, made a living at it. That's right. That, I mean, thou shalt not cross over.
1: Thou shalt not cross over, <laughs> precisely. And right. there's also this idea that it made me a sort of freak, quote unquote, because right. somehow paying your bills by, you know, mutely having your photograph taken occasionally, which right. pays well, but doesn't necessarily pay very consistently. Right. Somehow that meant you couldn't string words together or you didn't have an internal life or a whole right. of career. Um, which simply isn't the case. If you think about all the people I was working with at the time, a lot of them were putting themselves through college and, and uni and doing stuff. That's what you do. You pay bills a bit like, I don't know, landscaping and waiting tables. Right. It
0: was the day job. It just was a little bit better paying than than stranger, but it was still a day job. But young
1: people do while they can. Um, so, so yeah, it was the outward transition that was very challenging. The inward transition was not a transition at all. Right. And I guess the, the kind of moment when that really was the most extreme, and I write about this in my memoir, The Fictional Woman, was when I was dared to take a polygraph test, a lie detector test to prove that I write my own books. Ah, is, what? Who did that? Surreal, the Australian newspaper, which is the national newspaper down under. Oh my God. They dared me to take a polygraph test. So now I have a 33 page report. Guilty as charged, I am an author. Um, and, and earn the title, the dubious title of um, first scientifically proven author? I don't know. Like, is that a thing?
0: That's amazing.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was well, in my 20s at the time. It feels like, you know, another lifetime ago still, but it was really a weird and challenging time.
0: So you wrote a memoir about it. So you've been written, writing fiction. I always say to my students, all, because I like to teach memoir writing when I teach, okay. I say all fiction is memoir. And all memoir is fiction to some degree too, because you can't really tell your whole life. It's, you have to frame, you have to frame it as a story for it to be readable. And so you have to leave stuff out. You have to put things in, you have to remember stuff. You forget stuff, the stuff that, you know, I don't know how long, you know, you've, you've had relationships with people. They would remember different than you, blah, blah, blah. Right. And and, and what was that like? You, you decided to write the memoir. Talk to me about that. What was that? Did you have to, did you want to, how'd that happen?
1: I felt like I had to at that stage. Um, It was my first nonfiction full length. I've been writing a fair bit of uh, nonfiction, social justice related Mm -hmm. pieces and doing a lot of, I do a lot of work with UNICEF and with human rights organizations and things like that, just as an unpaid sort of thing I've been doing for years that I find fulfilling and hopefully helpful at times. Sure. And I guess I felt like I needed to take some of what I'd learned and come across and kind of write about, um, what I call the fictional woman. So these archetypes and stereotypes about women, these myths about women right, and right. how they differ from the lived reality, reality for many yeah. women. Exactly. And what I found that I was doing as I was writing is I started to put myself into the book. It wasn't that I said, oh, I, interesting. Write memoir. I was going okay. to uh, write about these archetypes and I found that I was using personal experiences as a jumping off point to the larger picture. So The Fictional Woman is a bigger book really about, um, you know, the, the bad girl archetype, the good girl archetype, the, the witch and the crone, the, yeah. the you know, the, um, the, the victim who needs saving and the, the femme fatale and how all this gets told and retold through our storytelling and our media portrayals and, you know, our nonfiction writing, how we perpetuate this. But I ended up using myself as a jumping off point and then it sort of became a part memoir. And that was very weird and personal for me to end up doing. I didn't expect that when I started out.
0: You know, I was just thinking about this, actually. uh, I was thinking about feminism really, and and I mean this because you can tell stories about things that are true and tell stories about things that are false, It's all stories. And I think we frame everything in stories. And the more I thought about feminism, is it was really a story we had to tell ourselves to counterbalance another story. You know, there was a story about men and women and men are this and women are that, and it was a story and a lot of people believed it. And we needed another story, everybody, women needed it, men needed it, to replace. But it had to be framed as a story. What if it's this way? And every, and so it seems like every, and, and everybody's contributing to that to keep retelling that story and retelling that story and retelling. Does that make sense?
1: It does look. I think it's. I think it's that, and um, it's an attempt at truth telling. It's an attempt at rebalancing to find yeah. uh, something closer to reality. After there's yeah. been such a long, uh, you know, centuries of, you know, some would call it propaganda. Some would call it. Um, you know, everybody can have their personal beliefs, but once those beliefs are enshrined in law and in. You know, right. in the institutions um, our public institutions, and that affects a particular demographic of people. In this case, women and girls. But you can say equally when we're talking about issues of race or disability. You know, if it if it's looking at a particular group of people and there's stories being told about those people without including them, then we end up with. False stories, we end up with kind of a skewed picture. So uh, a lot of feminism for me is it's about human rights and it's about including the stories of those people who've been talked about so that they can uh they can open up that conversation and make it a little bit more truth-telling. Of course, truth is a funny word. You know, it's (laughs) a word, but by um opening up the conversations, breaking down the stereotypes and being a little bit more open-minded, I think we all benefit from that. And that's why I'm so passionate about storytelling within the context of human rights and within the context of kind of righting the wrongs of the past.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, I have to remind myself. So I write personal essay and memoir. That's what I do now. and, Mm -hmm. And I have to remind myself that all I have to do is tell the truth. Now, what I believe to be, like, I don't have to make it bigger than that. I've always been a storyteller, and there's always an inclination to me to kind of want to jack things up to make that story (laughs) interesting, even when it's about my own life. But the more I can remember that just tell the truth, and it will be dynamic enough, it'll be profound enough, it'll be interesting, like the truth, not don't, you know, what I would say when I write memoir, don't brag, don't complain, don't brag, don't complain, find that truth, and it will be enough, it will be moving enough. I have to remind myself of that every time I sit down to write, I think. Yeah, so Let well, that, that be enough.
1: We need to create narratives about our lives, I guess, to help understand them. those archetypes yeah. and narratives have always been around in, in, our, in human communication. But, but, yeah, we have to try to be quite clear-eyed and balanced when we're analyzing our own you know, decision-making and experiences and histories and how we've, how we've experienced the world. And I, I think that that's a, a tricky process, Um, It can be very tricky. So for me, putting out a memoir, uh, The Fictional Woman, was one of the trickier experiences I've had and was very rewarding but also very draining because I had people coming up to me on the street and crying on me and sharing their stories because there were a lot of um, personal things that I uh, divulged in that book as part of – I mean, I thought I can't write a book about women's experiences without talking about violence against women or without – Talking about sexual assault because it's just so common. And it was something I had experienced. Yeah. So I included it. I didn't it's not a book about that, but it 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 did end up being part of it. And so that people just connected with that and it opened up the floodgates. And you know, that was a great honor, but also quite draining. And and for the most part, I'm happy to stick to fiction to be
0: honest. Yeah, because you really just as a fiction writer, you should not be in there in that way. They should not be aware of you. Now. That's right. That's but, right. you know, it's interesting. And you talk about the people coming up to you. Mm-hmm. And I and this is what I go through when I give a talk or I or I write about my own life is I have decided that all readers are reading about themselves all the time. That even when they read your story, the reason they were coming up to you is because what they were doing was reliving Very or remembering much. their own. experience. So they're really always reading about themselves. And it's even true if I had been reading your book, even though I wouldn't have gone through it the same way you would I always invest myself I try to become the characters I'm reading it because that's the way I always associate with it mm-hmm. and so it would have been the case with me though it would have been a different I would have read about myself in a different way and so that's the, one of the nice things I think about memoirs remember they don't care about you <laughs> like they don't actually care no, about you
1: they, they want to I mean we all as readers and I'm a voracious reader myself yeah, they care about
0: themselves
1: well, yeah, but also um, trying to make sense of the world they live in. I mean, that's, I don't think it's a selfish thing. I think it's um, like, I think fiction and nonfiction both exercise our empathy muscles extremely yeah. effectively. We, we put ourselves into other people's shoes yeah. and yet we do it maybe to better understand our own lives, but it's about connecting and it's about understanding the breadth of experience that's out there. So I think that's incredibly positive. But yeah, you always see things through, through your own perspective. Like you can't avoid that. What you else you got? Contrive, which I think is very worthy. But <laughs> always know that you're never going to quite be able to pull out of your own viewpoint. And, and um, not to be ashamed of that as a writer, to just well, let no, that.
0: Because you're on a journey and your journey matters as much as every single other person's journey. And your journey is your viewpoint, it's your history, it's what you care about, I mean, it's got to matter. And so that's what, and you, and no one has lived what Tara has lived exactly the way Tara has lived it. So bring it, cause you're the only one who can do it, right? Nobody else can do it, but you. So bring it, baby. Uh, okay, so, all right, before, I got one more question. Before we get to that, so people say, "Oh, she's so interesting, I wanna learn more about her. How do they do that? Where do people go? They want to get your books, get you to speak to them. Hey, do will you do uh, Zoom book groups? Would you do that?
1: Oh, absolutely, yeah. Okay. I I love doing Zoom book groups. I love speaking with readers. Um, I kind of laugh. I don't have a business card. It's just like Tara Moss Internet. You'll find me. Um, yes, you will. I you I know, I,
0: can, I can speak to this. <laughs>
1: can speak to that. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of me out there. Look. Um, go to taramoss.com um go to find me on instagram at Terramoss author find me at facebook and twitter okay and um, i'm always happy to engage um, i love speaking to other readers and other writers and just uh people who are interested in the world and have questions and want to learn because i'm one of those people too um i'm constantly looking to to broaden my understanding of the world and i think uh speaking with readers and other writers is a great way to do that
0: excellent all right good for you okay one more question here's what i want you to do I want you to finish this sentence. Ready? You you look ready. Okay. If writing has taught you anything, it's taught you what?
1: That it's going to be okay.
0: Hey, you know what? That's funny. I I say, when people ask me, what are my essays about? They're always about the same thing. It's going to be okay.
1: It's going to be okay. Okay. It's
0: true. How do you, how does writing taught you that?
1: Well, one thing about writing a book is it's a long process really, really long. I'm not someone who works terribly well in this instant world of like, you send a tweet and it's everything. Yeah, right, right. 40 characters, whatever. 140 characters. You you are, in a book, you have time to revisit, to edit, to mold. I always say, right, it's going to be okay. Write that down. Just keep going. It's going to be okay. And at the end of it, if you don't like it, you can take it out and that's okay too. So what writing has taught me is patience and acceptance and if you've spent months on work and you toss it out, that's okay. You know what? You'll still wake up the next day. If you get a terrible review, you'll still wake up the next day. One day I won't wake up, but I've <laughs> had a bloody great life in me. So, yeah, that's, that's what writing has taught me.
0: Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Tara. This has been awesome.
1: It's been great to chat. Thank you. And I, I hope you continue to love and enjoy the books you're reading and the people you're chatting with and your own work.
0: Alright, so there you go Everything's going to be okay It's true, everything's going to be okay Everything's going to be okay no matter what So uh, listen, I'll see you again next week I'll be back with another great guest I want to thank my producer R.J. Jeffries Thank you as always And uh, till next week Go find something you love to do And do it